We are four friends in three states across two time zones with a shared passion. Welcome to the Sports Talk Garage Podcast, where we hit the fast lane to discuss our favorite drives from the track in the ice to the court in the ball fields. We are four lifelong friends who grew up with a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those last lap lead changes, game-winning scores, and franchise players. This is the Sports Talk Garage. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Talk Garage podcast. This is episode 31 titled The Rise of Esports. I'm here. This is Matt along with my normal co-host David and John as we take you into the exciting world of esports and how that kind of plays into the sporting world. Um, real quick, I uh, just wanted to remind everybody to get in touch with us in case you have any questions about the content or if you'd like to have us uh, go over some points or you think there will be some neat topics for us to discuss. Um, we love being on Twitter with the handle at sportsgaragepod. Uh, you can also email us at feedback at sportstalkgarage.com. Yes, we have our own website now. We're very excited about that. And uh, you could also call and leave us a voicemail at 704-612-0190. But honestly, guys and gals, whatever uh, your preference, we do think that using the voice memo off your phone and emailing us that actually works really, really well. It gives us great quality to be able to uh, uh, put you online and, and hear your voice on our podcast. All right. So, John, David, how are things going this week? It's been a pretty good week. Went out to the lake this past weekend, so that was fun. Got a little sunburn out there, but... It's all right. It's nice and cool down in Carolinas today. Feels like a little preview of fall before it gets hot as could be back again tomorrow. Yeah, I'm doing good here. It's the uh, same thing. It's a little uh, nicer weather. We've survived the 114 degree heat index. So we're back into the high 70s, low 80s with a nice breeze. So I'm enjoying that. And uh, yeah, just watching. Been watching a little White Sox baseball. Been a painful week for us as usual, but uh, <laughs> you know that's a diehard fan, and you got to stick with it. So there's always next year. Awesome. <laughs> and a, a quick shout out to uh, Chris, who's always in our background and helps us out with the studio and website and all the things uh, back there. We're hoping we're going to get him on one of these days to talk again, but keep your ears open for that one. All right, so let's uh, drop the green flag here and talk a little bit about eSports. Uh, does anybody have a great definition they really loved on how to explain what eSports is? I got to think David's got something. Yeah, kind of going with a little academic Shock. definition there. <laughs> uh, over there. Yeah, so I mean, it's basically you know a competitive tournament of any type of multiplayer video game you know, by collegiate or professional gamers. But the big thing is it's played in front of spectators, both live and also streamed or broadcast over the internet. So a lot of people think esports are new. It's actually been around since the 80s, just not as big or as heard of as you would think today. Back in the 80s, gaming tournaments took place in arcades. In the 90s, consoles became popular. So you had those LAN parties, which everybody's remembers with Halo. In the 2000s, computers grew, so PC gaming became more popular. And then now with high-speed internet, you can have gaming tournaments between... You know, people here in the United States and other countries all collectively joined into one system. So 
yeah, it's an exciting world that we're living in. But yeah, eSports has definitely grown in popularity over the past few years. So I'm excited to talk about it tonight. Well, some of the interesting games I think that we should mention, uh, and if you're a gamer out there, whether you're PC or console, uh, handheld, whatever it may be, uh, some of the big ones for things like Battle Royales that we've heard of are League of Legends, Apex. I think Fortnite is probably one of the ones everybody's kind of heard of lately. Um, Counter-Strike is a shooter that's a uh, team versus team that's kind of more of a David and, and John setup. They both enjoyed those quite a bit. As David said, Halo is a big one. It's died down now, but could be making a resurgence. Uh, when you look at stuff that, as David said, it, it's still being played today, but started in the arcade where things like Street Fighter, uh, Mortal Kombat, Smash Brothers is a big one, um, and uh, some other sports-related ones would be examples of maybe Madden or FIFA tournaments, or a more recent one is Rocket League, where you drive what looks like remote-controlled cars and play basically soccer. Uh, but all of these games have had different um, venues and and lots of following that have brought a lot of money while watching uh, over streams like Twitch or actually being in the physical presence of the building where they're doing that. Uh, John, did you have any, anything to add to that? Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you guys, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Twitch. I've been getting into it more and more recently that or just kind of uh, watching via YouTube, which is, I guess, you know, a lot of times streaming off Twitch, but yeah, I'm big into racing, uh, as you guys know. So, uh, like, one of our uh, offensive linemen for Chicago Bears, Kyle Long, Howie Long's son, he's a big uh, Twitch uh, e-racer guy. So, I do a lot of watching on his stuff. He plays a lot of dirt stuff and Formula One, NASCAR-type games, iRacing, things like that. So, I enjoy it. It's fun. My wife scratches her head and looks at me when she comes <laughs> home, and I'm, you know, I've got YouTube up watching some dude play uh, a game. She's a little confused by what exactly I'm doing. Uh, and when I told her that we were going to record on esports tonight, she said, what's that? So it, uh, it has been around forever, but it's still definitely not like mainstream outside of, you know, uh, I guess gamers like us. So uh, it's it's cool, though, to see the growth of it. And uh, some of these games I have barely heard of, but, you know, you look into them and there's hundreds of millions of dollars being put out in prize money. And you're like, holy cow, maybe I picked the wrong games to play. <laughs> <So>. Right. <laughs> Less sports games, apparently, for me. So, yeah, that's pretty cool, though. Cool. Um, so let's kind of talk a little bit about the levels of eSports. Uh, it can kind of go in a lot of different places, but let's kind of start at the bottom and work our way up. So um, I guess starting at the, the high school level or just friendly get-together kind of in the grassroots any so thoughts, I, guys? So I think it was actually posted yesterday. The Washington Post reported that it's a great timing, actually, when we're doing research for this. <laughs> um, but apparently just like two weeks ago, Virginia actually became the ninth state in the country to add gaming to their athletic program, uh, esports gaming to their athletic program. So I guess now instead of, you know, going out for football or maybe, uh, you know, going out for gym class or PE or whatever the case may be, you can now go for your esports class. Um, and just like if you were an athlete playing, you know, varsity football, you're required to have a minimum GPA. Uh, there's like after school participation, they have practices, they have tournaments that, you know, they're required to travel to. 
Um, so it's it's literally set up exactly as if you were playing football or baseball or whatever, except that you know, it's esports. So it's it's a different world for sure. But yeah, nine states apparently now are are officially have that in their programs in public schools. Sure. Yeah, so having a undergrad in kinesiology, I know health and PE was big, and I actually did some student teaching. I have a lot of family members who are teachers, and it's funny listening to them talk about how times are changing and, you know, it's not just go out to the track or go run around. It's like you're sitting in front of a computer and does it really qualify as sport? So it's a lot of fun just listening to the debate going on there of how is this actually a sport? Sure. Well, I mean, people have debated like, you know, is, is dance a sport? Is cheerleading a mm -hmm. sport? Is uh, race car driving? Is that a sport? You know, or are those athletes and, you know, you can pick your side one way or the other on your debate, but, um, you know, it's, those things have been raging on for decades now. Decades. And I imagine this will be another one you can add to that mm -hmm. category is, you know, are these athletes, are they not? And you pick your side and I have my own personal opinions on it. Uh, but I think as more and more people will hear about this and actually go and watch the tournaments or log in remotely and watch, you know, um, the big, the big things going on, um, you know, they'll make their decisions one way or the other. And, and we'll talk about the pros in a little bit, but, um, it's, it's interesting, you know, your, the, the thought perspective on that. So let's move on just kind of, as John mentioned on the college level, I found some interesting, uh, numbers we'll say, uh, first of all, let's just kind of talk on an overall level. Um, 493 million is perceived value of the global esports market in 2017, uh, and some basically that number is expected to triple over the next couple of years to 1.5 billion by 2020. Um, in 2017, investors contributed $750 million, making 50% of the worldwide market size. Uh, advertisers and sponsors contributed over 250 million. Um, so basically, colleges are really starting to jump on board because let's be honest, colleges pull in whether you're uh, a major college that has huge football, basketball, tennis, swimming, golf programs. They've got sponsors and people that come in that can really help grow those programs. There's a National Association of Collegiate Esports, or NACE, which is a nonprofit membership association organized by and on behalf of our member institutions. Uh, started in 2016. I'm putting some different numbers on this because colleges – uh, you know, where we kind of see athletes really get their chance to, to fight it out, to get to the pro level. And because there's so many of them generally, you know, whether you go division one or go down to uh, division three or NAIA, you know, some of these schools are starting to really pick up into this. Um, well, I, they're offering scholarships too. Correct. You know, they'll have these tournaments where you win a Fortnite tournament or whatever, and the winner receives a, you know, $15,000 scholarship or something like that. So it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love, I love that you mentioned NACE. So I, when started in 2016, there are only seven colleges at varsity esports. 2018, there were 63 institutions. So I mean, it's definitely growing. So not only popularity, it's pretty inexpensive. I mean, if you look at pretty much any sport, you have to have training facilities and locker rooms and all this equipment for this. You can seriously just, you know, go gut an old dorm, set it up with all the technology and, that's all you need. It's your practice field. It's your you know, competition room. So it's very inexpensive to get this set up and obviously growing in popularity with all the money that's being dumped in for marketing and all the eyes that are going to it. And I think like 2014, 
27 million people tuned in to League of Legends for the college championship. Only 5 million tuned in to the Stanley Cup Finals, 13.8 to the World Series, and 15 to the NBA Finals. So, I mean, it has a huge following that a lot of people don't even realize compared to more of the traditional sports. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was looking at, like, top programs. Uh, I did notice that uh, for David and, and Chris out there, uh, University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks apparently actually have a pretty good, strong program. They're listed in the top, I think, 25. But, you know, we not too long ago I actually was uh, at DePaul's uh, campus of technology, which is actually in, right in downtown Chicago in the loop, and uh, actually toured through their esports uh, lab. And, I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. It's just TV galore. It's every system you can possibly think of from PC all the way down to – your basic uh, Nintendo, your handhelds, um, you know, there's just couches, lounges, and it's it's like a gamer's paradise in there. So it, it was pretty cool to see it up close and personal and be able to tour it. And a lot of these guys, you know, not only doing esports, but a lot of them are getting into, you know, cyber technology or cybersecurity, uh, you know, computer programming. So they, they tie that in and they, they see it as like an opportunity to get into both and and then apply what they're, what they're learning as far as my programming side on into the video game world and vice versa. And DePaul actually also has a really good, uh, like video game creation program as well. So, I mean, the money's to be had and it's cool to see that universities are actually recognizing this and slowly starting to get into it compared to when we were in college. Oh yeah. It's, it's getting nuts. So with that, let's kind of talk about what it means to be a pro, uh, inside of that world. So, you know, first of all, as professionals, they, as we've kind of mentioned, have to go through a lot of rigorous training. These guys are uh, working inside of the real world. Uh, one of the numbers I kind of found was uh, they do have salaries. Uh, they kind of range from team to team, game to game, you know, player to player, because obviously your better players are going to get more. But um, regular monthly salaries of average pro Gamers can range from you know a thousand to five thousand dollars, where the highest paid League of Legends player can earn up to fifteen grand per month, apart from the money that they get from prizes. Not too shabby. No, not at all. Um, so I guess with all of the U.S. kind of moving in and states wanting to get in on the sports betting side, what do you guys see with betting on esports making an impact? And if you go look at Vegas and you know, there's billions of dollars spent on the Kentucky Derby or all these little things for the Super Bowl, like how long is the national anthem going to be? And so many options that you can choose from. Then you look at esports and it's it's still new, yet you can bet on, you know, what team's going to win? Is this team going to score a certain amount of points? And instead of watching somebody play a game and physically, you're watching somebody play a game on a TV screen. I mean, it certainly makes sense that, you know, Vegas and other entities are going to get in on the betting aspect, and there's lots of money to beat there. Yeah, I mean, if it's it's a competition. So, like you said, regardless of whatever it is, you know, it, it's still human beings competing against each other, you know, whether it be on, on the hardwood or, uh, you know, a virtual via video game. So, to me, as long as there's a winner and a loser, there's always going to be betting. Betting's been around since the beginning of time. And, uh, I, you know, I, I see that they're, they're fully going to invest in that. And as more and more States legalize it, you know, Illinois just signed a bill to allow sports gambling, uh, in the state of Illinois. in, in I think January 1st, 2020, I fully expect that just like everything else that, uh, 
esports will be maybe even one of their highest contributors just because it's so easy uh, to like latch onto and, and pick a team or pick a game that you like or that your kids like or whatever like that and, and throw a few bucks at. So you don't have to be an expert necessarily to have a little fun in, in the esports uh, gaming gambling yeah. ramp realm. Especially with barriers to entry being almost non-existent, you'll be able to do it from your phone. I mean, in, pretty much anybody's going to be able to do it, whether you know they're eighteen, twenty, whatever the age range is or minimum age has to be. Well, I've already found about nine different online sites that you can go to for betting on esports that cover it. It's crazy. So there's a lot. So one other piece here, when you look at kind of the size in the professional realm. Uh, America's kind of catching up to what's already been going on, I would say mostly in the Asian market. But, um, you know, we're starting to see more of a mix between who can earn what and some of the highest earners uh, that are the sports champs just from being in a USA tournament, then they go into these internationals. But um, let's see, for purposes of scale, the there is a... Uh, I guess an esports venue that's going to come up. We'll talk about that in a minute. But these international invitations and teams practice can go for ten to fifteen hours a day with players and managers. So they, you know, same as you would have on any sports aspect, you have the players that are sitting in here. They have to work together. They have a manager that's watching over their backs and making sure everything's going. Uh, you have people that are working on the team that aren't necessarily part of the actual playing team. Let's call them interns, whatever. And they can scrimmage uh, from inside the office against the pros to keep them moving, especially during the off season. Um, they're getting sponsorships, everything from car manufacturers, PCs, uh, PC and hardware manufacturers, energy drinks. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's a really big deal. It's starting to evolve even more. Did you guys find anything else on that stuff? Well, I thought I'm glad you brought up the amount of time that they're spending. So, one of the big things that I was reading about this week is esports injuries and esports burnout. So, apparently, there is a lot of players that, and I guess one of the big problems with esports is that a lot of players are getting, you know, quote unquote burnout by the time that they're in their early to mid 20s. They're basically burnout on gaming, and they a lot of them drop gaming entirely and then definitely drop out competitively. So, they say the average uh, duration of an esports professional gamer is only about two to three years before a lot of them start to suffer from burnout. Um, they were talking about how you know guys in their guys and gals in their early twenties are having, you know, suffering from physical injuries that people significantly older are having. So they're having, you know, headaches, uh, neck strains, back pain, eye strain, carpal tunnel, arthritis you name it, these guys are going through it because they're sitting and gaming for eight to 12 hours a day, sometimes even more. And that's, you know, cutting careers out. And one of the big issues right now is apparently, you know, there's a lot of chat about, okay, who's actually taking care of, of the actual players. You know, the leagues are making billions of dollars off this. Like, you know, the stat that I read was like you mentioned earlier, $1.1 billion estimated in 2019 with a potential several million or several billion dollar increase over the next, you know, five to 10 years. So, you know, these companies, these corporations are making enormous amounts of money off this. And, you know, the, the athlete um, is re making relatively low amounts compared to that. So there's no, you know, players association or anything like that. And a lot of these guys are, you know, they're 
you know, a lot of times they're getting their, their per diems. So they're getting their expenses paid from the company or the team that they're actually playing for, but they stay in gaming houses. So they literally eat, sleep, game with their teammates. And one of the big issues that they're saying is that having a social life is actually somewhat of an unwritten rule that it's almost unacceptable. So, you know, while you could be going out and taking your girlfriend out to, you know, the movies or, you know, dinner, uh, you know, all your teammates are going to be back at the house gaming and practicing for the upcoming tournament. So, you know, there's that unwritten rule, that pressure on there, like, okay, do you really want to do that? Because all your competitors, all the guys that you're competing for and against, ultimately, as far as prize money and rankings go, they may be your teammates, but they're back, you know, at, at home practicing and you're out, you know, on the town having a good time. So, there's a lot of pressure there. And so teams are starting to try to combat these things a little bit and actually bringing in psychologists. They're bringing in therapists for them to talk to. They have mental coaches. Uh, obviously, physical therapy is a big thing that a lot of them bring in, masseuses, things like that. So, you know, slowly these corporations are starting to treat these guys a little bit better. But in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of apparently significant like social issues with this that aren't really being addressed by the corporations, which is, you know, we saw this in basically every sports league out there until, you know, a union was set up, a player's association to protect the, the actual athlete, you know, leagues are running over players left and right. And the same thing is happening on the esports world as well. Yeah, I fully expect in the next maybe five years, there's going to be a union kind of like the NFL PA or, pretty much any big franchise or league has a players association. It's there's going to be one for this when all you know, these guys kind of group together, guys and girls group together and be like, Hey, you know what? This isn't necessarily fair on our end or missing out on some areas and let's come together. Let's go ahead and get what maybe we need. But also, like you said, the mental aspect, the physical aspect and psychological as you're sitting inside all day. So there's a lot that's going to come, but that's part of it being new and kind of being pioneers in this world and being some of the first people to be professionals. There's going to be some changes coming up. Another so thing quickly. that they've oh, go ahead, Matt. No, go ahead. I was just say another thing that they're trying to combat is they're having issues with people dropping out of high school to pursue this. So instead of going to school, they're going to sit home at a home and game. And so yeah, they're making decent amount of money in those you know several years that they're pro. But then you know their bodies are shot, they're burnt out um, on gaming, and then suddenly they have no education. They have you know they're lacking in some other potentially some social skills. Um, although there is a, a counter uh, debate to that about how, you know, potentially depending on the, the, the kid, you know, or, or the person, this may actually give them the, the social experience that they may not necessarily otherwise have, you know, in the rest of the world, um, you know, due to a lot of, you know, social issues that we have, especially in the United States. So there's pros and cons to both, but it's certainly a raging debate one way or the other. And it's, it's interesting to see that something getting talked about by a lot of people, about the the pros and the cons and the good and the harm of esports. So real quickly before we go to break, are you guys trying to tell me that we're having almost all the same issues in their own way with esports that we're having with actual physical sports? Yeah, definitely. It's about a smaller scale right now, but it's the same and it's going to grow. Uh, so it's still there. Hmm. Would love to see how the NCAA is handling this one. Um, <laughs> all right. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the venues that they play in. And there's some great stats that we pulled up about that and some interesting facts. So make sure that you guys uh, and girls stick with us uh, for when we come back. Enjoy this word from our sponsors. 
All right, welcome back. And again, we'd like to thank our sponsors for uh, putting up with us and giving us some opportunity to uh, get on and do our podcast every week. We certainly appreciate them. Uh, and we hope that you'll check them out as well. Uh, so as we come back and drop the green flag uh, on our second half of the show, we wanted to talk about venues because there's a lot of really big venues that are going on for esports and how new this is. And again, we talked about sponsorships and how much money uh, various sponsors are throwing into things. So there's a lot of money to be had in this world as it's developing. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's in this time, let's start from the, the big side and work our way down. Uh, David, tell me a little bit about how you've found things regarding the big venues that are going with. So I kind of define these as like purpose built, kind of like you have your basketball arena for basketball games. You have these purpose built arenas specifically for esports. And the two big ones that come to mind are both in the United States in Arlington, Texas, and also in Philadelphia. Uh, in Arlington, the city kind of took an old convention center, pumped in $10 million, and now there's this 100,000-square-foot space dedicated to esports, and it's flexible. It's not just events. It's open to people to come in. During the day, they can practice. They pay a fee. You can sit down for how many hours you buy and you play. But when there's a game, they kind of, you know, all the normal competitors come out, and then professionals come in for these events, and, then, you know, there's people sitting around about 100,000 square feet just dedicated to esports. It's open from noon till 2 a.m., seven days a week. Um, they never close. They're open on holidays, which is crazy because, you know, most people, I think, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you're at home with your family, you're doing you know, other things, but they're still open because people are still going to game, which is just showing that there's so much popularity and so much commitment to this. And then in the past few months in Philadelphia, they just approved a new facility being built by Comcast, who's going to be the headline sponsor, $50 million for this facility. Um, you know, it's going to be for Overwatch, the league, uh, the Philadelphia Fusion, which is something interesting there. Each team in the Overwatch franchise or league has to have a home city. So that's where the Philadelphia Fusion are going to be based out of. It's actually kind of small for as much money as you would think, only about 3,500 people. But it's going to have the same architect as the O2 Arena in London, um, Emirates Stadium, which is Arsenal for soccer, as well as Heinz Field. So, you know, it's going to be a beautiful venue to go watch and going to have, I mean, as nice as stadiums are today, it's going to have every little nick and nanny and technological advance that's out there. Jeez. So there's a lot of money that's going into these. And, you know, to your point of it being 24-7, I mean, think about it. When you've got you know, normal out there sports, most people are sleeping during various times. And, you know, the Y is not exactly open generally 24 seven, or even if it was, people are going to be in the basketball gym playing because it's in the middle of the night. But, you know, if that's what you're used to working as thirds and that's where you go, on the other hand, people are always online. Even if it's a smaller amount and they have a harder time placing you into, uh, you know, a gaming zone online or a, a room or whatever it may be there's still a ton of people that are online all the time. So you can always kind of find a room. So it's interesting that they're leaving these places open for you to go rent a room or whatever it may be. John, did you have anything for this? I've got a pretty neat stage. 
you know, I was looking earlier this week, there is a, it's a small scale, but it's basically they converted a theater uh, in Chicago to an esports theater that's open 24 hours. And that has, uh, you know, it's tournaments and you can go in and, and again, pay the fee. You know, we saw this, you know, way back in the day, you'd go into the mall and it was like, that's where I've been 10 years ago. And there was like this tiny little, like, um, like almost like a pop-up shop. It was over in like the corner of the mall and it would have, you know, five or six computers in there and you could pay like an hourly rate to go game in there. And at the time, you know, it was like, there was always like one or two people in there. You never saw it busy. Um, but you think like 10 years ago, obviously that was almost ahead of its time is starting to like get that subscription service or that pay per hour usage um, to actually go in and, and practice these games and get better at these games. And especially if you don't have the facilities at home, you know, if you don't have, you know, as we talked about last week on on gaming in general, if you don't have that Mac Daddy a gaming PC, you could go in there and uh, spend a much smaller portion of money and actually be able to still play some of these games and compete competitively. And, uh, you know, you're playing on, uh, you know, a lot of these new arenas are playing, you know, they've got fiber internet. So, you know, you're just you're absolute speeds. There's the least amount of latency. Um, and it's just, they're, they're fun to watch. And these venues are set up uh, in a pretty incredible way to actually be able to watch this. So, you know, the, the crowd is, uh, because it's smaller, it's more of an intimate setting. They're louder. You know, it's kind of like Cameron Indoor, but for eSports. E so shout out to all you Dukies out there. Um, yes, sir. The one, couple of random times I'll say something nice about a Dukie. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, it's sort of like that. Um, it's pretty impressive to see. So now that we've talked about that on the national level, again, as, as the U.S. is catching up on the international level, uh, one of the big, I guess, name spots in the U.S. is the Nexon Arena, uh, which is owned by the Nexon Game Development Company. Um, pretty popular esports place to be. It's in, if anybody remembers, Open Gungam style, and I don't remember the artist that sang them, but it's in the Gungam territory inside of uh, Seoul, South Korea. Uh, it has a seating capacity of over 400 people. Stadium has a stage with five-person and single-person soundproof booths where the players uh, play while the game is shown on a large screen above the main stage. Uh, events are generally free and open to the public. So they've built a really awesome looking spot. I recommend you look up these places and see what, what all it looks like, how they're doing it. But there are huge uh, gaming conventions where people are coming in to see these or see them online. Um, and I can tell you, they've got a lot of different options that they play from everything from Starcraft two, which has been out over 10 years and it's still gained a lot of traction. Um, League of Legends, Clash Royale competitions. So they, they do a lot out of the Nexon arena, but that was what popped up to me for just foreign and what we've been building ourselves after. Yeah. And kind of going back to, you know, facilities in general, but you know, there's uh, a company out in LA that they just opened up. Uh, it's a pretty small facility, but it's, it's state of the art and it's basically just for their dedicated team to, to practice. So, um, you know, it's, the guys, they stay in corporate owned dorm rooms that are only a couple minutes away. There's an Olympic sized swimming pool. They've got a gym on site, personal mm. trainers. They've got their own chef that's there every day catering their own food for them. Um, so it's like, that's another example where you've got kind of overkill. Um, mm. but 
you know, it's, it's still, it's incredible the amount of money that's being spent um, getting these guys prepared and then making it so that it's a fun, entertaining experience for fans, both in person and online. That's the other thing that like, you know, we see attendance dropping and, you know, NFL has, has, you know, starting to have record low attendance. You see major league baseball struggling, things like this. Um, and then you look at the esports world and their attendance is continuing to grow and their online viewing is continuing to grow and grow and grow. And you think like, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I'd rather stay home and watch it on my, my 4k screen and like have a more immersive experience. And I think esports has been smart. Like they have gone into giant arenas, you know, so I watched a tournament the other day that was in Oracle arena and they basically sold out the entire lower bowl of it. Um, but at the same time, they have these smaller venues that are more intimate and more, um, you know, a little bit rowdier and you can get a little bit closer to the action. And then, you know, these these designers are smart. They've got these like 90, 100 foot LED 4K screens that, um, you know, you feel like the screen is five feet away from you. And it is truly a more immersive experience versus going to, you know, an NFL game where if you're in the nosebleeds and, you know, you feel like you're a mile away from the field. So. Uh, it's it's smart of them to to invest in to look into what people want at home and when they're watching sports and then try to really implement that in a larger scale as far as purpose-built venues go well not that we mentioned it but i think in our normal notes but i think one of the things to keep in mind maybe is a lot of the big sports that are on what my wife would call farmer tv or your normal just pickup channels locally uh, you know, they have a hard time getting enough viewership or whatever it may be. But uh, when you get into pay-per-view events and such, they haven't done a whole lot of that with esports. Most of it is projected on Twitch or YouTube or a specific website channel where you can go in there and, and see whatever event you want to see. Well, yeah, and they're smart because they know that they can get ad money. So they're mm -hmm. still going to get their revenue stream and then, the, the viewer, the us at home, we can log in and watch remotely. And it's not costing us, you know, except for obviously you need to have, you know, the ability to stream Twitch. But, you know, if you've got an Apple TV, you've got an Xbox, you got something like that, you can easily do that. Um, so you're really not spending any more money than you would have spent just for anything else as far as gaming goes. But you're able to log in and watch these things pretty much for free. Um, and you'll, they'll still get some of their ad money and their, you know, they'll, they'll have their, you know, advertisements and banners that go across the screen. But the experience for the person at home is that you can truly invest in this and you don't have to spend three, $400 to get into a game like you would, a, you know, a pro football game. So, yeah. and you still get the same commentary. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep. Professional I mean, commentary. The commentary is a big thing is, is in this because there, again, there are a lot of games that, you know, I may not necessarily be familiar with um, because I play more sports games than, than some of these and more like traditional shooters. But, you know, the commentating is, is excellent to really show you, to really explain to you what's going on in the game and really get you invested in one player or one team. You know, I watched it the other day. There was a USA versus, I think, UK tournament. And it felt like an Olympic atmosphere. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, Hey, you know, there's there has been talks about trying to like pursue this into an Olympic sport. So I yep, think that'd be I've pretty heard cool. That I Olympics would, could be I'll the way that they that. put esports really into a full sporting, yep. I guess, acceptance. Hey, that hockey and uh, a 
couple other things. You got my attention. I'll watch. <laughs> there you go. Hey, this um, Olympics, we will have competitive breakdancing, so oh, starting to venture me. out already. You know, yeah. and I, honestly, yeah. I'd rather watch esports than breakdancing. No <laughs> yes. Any breakdancers out there. Uh, I've seen Matt do enough splits and weddings to have my uh, fill of uh, dancing going on, so I, I'll take uh, esports <laughs> over that any day. <laughs> Fine. Uh, let's take a quick step down. Uh, Mr. Professor, what's what's the next level down when it comes to venues? Yeah, so moving from these purpose-built venues, we have these gaming centers. And you know, people kind of remember LAN parties. And this is kind of why I think of when I hear of a gaming center. It's this, it, it's a design shop, but you just come in, you rent some space, some time. You go in, and they're popping up all over the globe. You know, it's not too expensive to start this. You just have to essentially have the building, the equipment, and people come and pay a fee, generally about five to 10,000 square feet. The thing that blows mind is about 100 to 200 gaming stations. So you just walk in, and as John alluded to earlier, you know, there's just TVs plastered along the walls, down the you know rows of TVs and consoles, and every type of console you can think of. So you can go in and just play for fun. You can go in and practice with your teammates, and literally all over the United States and probably around the world, they're just popping up everywhere. So do these kind of remind you of, I think John alluded to, internet cafes back in the 90s? Yeah, it does. Instead of going in and, you know, log into AOL to check your email because you've got mail, you go in and it's the, it's the same thing here. I mean, you pretty much go in and you pay a little fee for the amount of time you want and you've got your gaming heaven right there in front of you. We're, uh, we're dating ourselves, guys. Probably half our listeners don't even know what AOL exists. So uh, <laughs> you get your little disc in the mail and you go and on your modem and... Uh, Good time. Go watch modem? The- What's a modem? <laughs> Go watch the movie, guys. <laughs> but, you know, these these like gaming centers, uh, something that I was thinking about the other day, these would be great for even like completely separate of, of the gaming world. But this would be awesome for like, um, you know, like, like a corporate outing or like a team mm-hmm. function, like in your, you know, you're a banker and you want to take your team out to something fun instead of going bowling, you know, yes. where people may have physical limitations or things that they can't necessarily participate in. You know, find a gaming center that has like more of a simplistic game available to them that someone could easily pick up, and you know, have your team having uh, like a, a esports tournament between your office mates. So, you know, <laughs> nothing, I, <shoot. laughs> nothing gets better team building than arguing amongst yourselves when you miss a shot, <laughs> <laughs> or who got the farthest in Mario. I'll, yeah, it sounds like fun to me. I don't know if that's yeah, something that's going I, on, dude. but as more and more of these shops going on, you know, it's that'd be something that uh, I might have to get my uh, boss an elbow and be like, <clears throat> yeah, you know, instead of the Christmas well. party, let's uh, let's go here. <laughs> well, even in the tiny city of Toledo, in comparison to John, I even saw a gaming center pop up right next to my favorite uh, local lunch spot. So they are popping up in smaller spots here and there you can't see inside because they want to keep the you know the screens visible and uh low i'm guessing low light i need to go in there and check this thing out but um you know that's easy to pop up and and if you get enough people in there and hold tournaments and make a big of name it shouldn't be that hard to hold that space yeah for sure all right david what else do you got so the last kind of area I can think of is like kind of what I would call a pop-up shop. You know, you're this group of people or a league or a team goes in and rents a space like a convention center where you have to bring in everything, set it up. You know, you have the tournament 
and then you tear it down and take it away, ship it into the next place you're going. So it's literally so, there for, I don't know, one to three days, and then it disappears. This sounds so, like a land party at my uh, college dorm when we did a Halo tournament. And one of the big benefits of this is there's no physical building to maintain, you know, and no liability insurance. So it's a lot cheaper, but there's also the logistics of making sure you have all the equipment getting there, making sure it's not delayed somewhere and all the setup and tear down and man hours of that cost. You know, and then there's always those little pop-up shops too, where people will go in, they'll run a small space, their favorite pizza place or whatever it is and do a fundraiser or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And, uh, you know, just kind of in the local area. Uh, smash i've seen a lot of mario smash brothers pop up for that one so um all right so let's wave the white flag and uh if you guys had one league or a game you'd feel most competitive or want to join what john what would you want to (laughs) do um to me it's easy uh it would be a racing game uh it'd be i racing something like this i saw that you know, in F1 2019, they have a whole tab now for esports where you can compete to qualify for an actual esports tournament. Um, you know, and they've got, uh, you know, the Alfa Romeo esports team, the Mercedes AMG esports team, and they're actually paying these guys legit contracts. And, um, you know, they're they're on actual simulators and doing testing work. And, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time, like we saw in NASCAR with iRacing, Whereas one of these guys actually gets a, a drive. We saw it in world endurance racing where Nissan actually a few years ago did a tournament, I think with uh, perhaps Gran Turismo, I think at the time. I was where just about they, to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, where they had you know, people competing and essentially the winners of the uh, the tournament were actually signed to uh, actual uh, Nissan world endurance championship mm-hmm. racing contracts. And so now they're, you know, competing around the world on actual racetracks because they've proven their ability to drive a car, even though it being virtual, the the technology is so uh, precise now that it gives them that true experience. Um, So it would be racing for me. I'll tell you a a quick fact on this, you know, uh, Fernando Alonso, a big, uh, you know, two-time world champion of Formula One. uh, He actually just um, not too long ago uh, founded his esports racing uh, series that has uh, Jamie Chadwick of the W Series, uh, likely to be the first uh, champion of that. He's got two-time Formula E champion, John Eric Byrne. And then you look at other things like iRacing. Uh, just this week, actually, Max Verstappen and Lando Norris, along with two uh, other guys, um, actually competed in a 24 hours of Spa iRacing uh, event, mm-hmm. whereas four drivers uh, over, I guess, six-hour stints total uh, had to compete, uh, you know, in a, a full 24 hour event. Uh, and they ended up winning, even though they had some, they had some late lap or late race drama. Max Verstappen <laughs> had a, a brake pedal issue actually on his simulator, uh, and had to limp the car back home to the pits before he could turn it over to Lando Norris, who was able to, uh, get back up to get the car back up to speed. And they won the, uh, the 24 hour event, but you know, it's it's even these guys that are professional you know, drivers, stuff like that, are, are getting into esports, becoming it's such a massive event. Uh, and it's just, yeah, racing would be probably Chris as well. He and I love our eye racing and things like that. So. <laughs> probably would be. I don't um, know which I'm of us is better. I'm imagining you guys <laughs> running through this together. 
Hey, so on this before I hit this pit stop, can you give me like a bite of pizza? Just hold it in front of my face. Oh god, I missed a turn. <laughs> I can totally hey, see that happening. You, you know, you got 20, 30 seconds with to change tires, so that's enough time to grab some Doritos and <laughs> throw down a monster real fast and then hit the track again. So it was Tom pretty cool. Chris they were wearing the hat with two sodas on the side and one straw. <laughs> Absolutely. They uh they were like live streaming a lot of it on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. So I watched a little bit of it, uh, of them competing and yeah, it's competitive. It was a huge field and, and they ended up taking home the, the championship for spots. I'm disappointed so. you didn't tell me about this. That's uh, really it, awesome. It's been a crazy week and <laughs> it was weird no hours of the, of the night when I was watching this too. So anyways, I'm not surprised. David, what about you? <laughs> so you two are probably going to laugh once you hear this, but I'd actually go very original, just do a football league. And the reason you're going to laugh is because anytime I play any of the three of you, I lose no matter what. <laughs> so wait, but you, so by playing us and losing, that would be the one you would most likely want to be in. No, it's, I mean, I enjoy playing it, but obviously, you know, if you're spending hours and hours doing it, you're obviously going to improve. But just the ironic aspect of I'm pretty much bound to lose anytime I play the three of you. So I was that's waiting for him to say Mario Kart. I really was. I thought it was either going to be Mario Kart <laughs> or like 2K basketball. I thought it'd be yeah. one of those two. So yeah. every time I see him online, <laughs> it's the only thing I see him playing these days. So yeah, yeah. I'm in a career mode right now in my fourth season. <laughs> so I'm still going. Dedication, boy. <laughs> well, if I had to pick one, I'm probably I, I really enjoy the racing aspect, but since that's already been kind of played through, and I would probably not be able to keep up with those two guys just based on time they spend. Uh, I spent a little more time inside of shooters. Um, so lately I've been playing more on the apex realm. So I would love to say that I could be good enough to really get out there because halo was my first Xbox game. So I've always kind of stayed inside the shooter world, but uh, you know, that's, that's certainly very difficult to play into based on the quick reactions and super controllers and waked out stuff that uh, a lot of people have out there and can spend their money on. So, uh, in time as for that so uh let's get final thoughts with our checkered flag who did i start with john david you're up oh man this one's for me is crazy roger goodell i cannot stand him <laughs> i think a lot of people have heard recently with all the the suspensions in the nfl and just the lack of consistency there's no rhyme or reason you know he's a judge jury executioner there with uh Tariq hill you know not suspended at all then you have Ezekiel Elliott, six games for a while, might be suspended again. Jaron Reed was just suspended like a day or two ago for six games for something that happened in 2017. So I'm looking forward to the new CBA coming out when that's hopefully taken away from him, let the local police deal with any incidents, and they just stick with the football aspect instead of him just saying, you know what, this guy, no, I've set out six games. This guy, eh, it's not as bad, even though it might actually be worse. So I'm just sick of him and all his crazy antics up there. John, what yeah. about you? I don't know how to follow that one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have a more enjoyable week. Uh, got uh, recorded last time on the Outlap F1 podcast with our buddies over at Regen E Racing. So thanks. Shout out to, to Dino in New Zealand. That was a heck of a good time last night. And uh, we've got the German Grand Prix coming up. So I'm going to be uh, fully enveloped into uh, the world of Formula One this weekend uh, with another episode coming up. And then uh, obviously I'll be spending – my Friday and, and drenched into practice and everything else. So it'll be another fun weekend for me uh, in the world of, for, uh, Formula One. 
I saw a video of my boy Leclerc doing a full 360 during practice and coming right out of it. That was phenomenal. (laughs) Yep, German Grand Prix last year, actually. He did the same thing. He uh, did a full 360. It was a a comical thing he posted out. He was like, yeah, I was just checking my mirrors. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Did a full 360 and kept on scrolling. So, yeah, it should be a good one. Well, I, I'm just going to tell all of our folks listening that we've got several big things coming up in the future. So that's got me really excited as we've been uh, game planning from here and looking for hosts. And uh, uh, I believe, is it okay for us to tell them we're getting ready for college football and we're going to do a lineup of the biggest uh, five power conferences out there. So uh, we're going to do that on a week to week series. So make sure everybody's uh, getting in there and paying attention I'm really excited for a couple of the guests that I know we have lined up, so make sure that you're tuning in for those. But uh, other than that, we definitely want to say thank you for listening to uh, episode 31 with us, and we hope that you gain a little bit of insight. Again, please touch base with us, and we'd love to hear from you uh, from any of our venues that we have out there. Check out the website. But uh, thanks again for listening, and have a great night. Night, guys. Later, guys. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to have your sports-related question or comment featured on the show, please email us at sportstalkgarage at gmail.com. Also, if you want to keep up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us on Twitter at sportsgaragepod. If you enjoy the show, please drop us a five-star review and subscribe if you want to hear more. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are the Sports Talk Garage.